Warning, this show may contain adult content, language, and humor, and is intended for mature audiences. If that's not you, please stop listening now. Nothing you hear on Sex and Science Hour is intended as medical advice, financial advice, legal advice, therapy, or really anything other than entertainment. Please take everything you hear with a grain of salt. Oh, and if you're hearing us on an affiliate network, the ideas and views expressed on this show are not necessarily those of the network you're listening on or of any sponsors or affiliate products you might hear about on the show. Now that all that's out of the way, let's start the show. This is Sex and Science Hour with Brian Sovereign and Dr. Stephanie Murphy. Get your freak on. Happy Friday! It's Sex and Science Hour time. Welcome to the show. Now coming to you delivered by drone every Friday evening. It's sexandsciencehour.com. Delivered by drone? I didn't sign on for this. Well, neither did I, but um, that's that's... Sex and Science Hour Corporate has decided that we're going to implement a new pilot program. We're going to be delivering the show by drone, and it's all administrated by Google. What do you think of that, Brian? Whoa! No, like, We've signed an, a partnership agreement with s- Alphabet. S- starting with corporate, and no. And <laughs> the letter S division. Sex and Science Hour is going to be brought to you by the letter S and maybe the letter D okay. for drones, <laughs> not for dick. I don't know if there's anything under S yet with Alphabet. Well, they they do have these cutesy little divisions. Um, Google, yeah. Alphabet is a company that's a pseudo, part of Google no, or like a, a shadow a, company. Yeah, of Google. it's a pseudo parent company. Okay, be, like it's just. What does that mean? <laughs> all it is is Google. Yeah. But Larry Page wanted to create his own Silicon Valley, so he created a parent company called Alphabet that actually is just Google. But right. we, we've you got some them, other little companies in between. Alpha Goog. Is yeah, what I you, call them. you call them Alpha Goog, right? Yeah. And by the way, Larry Page emails the show sometimes. So, yeah, hey, right. Hey, Larry, <laughs> just giving you a shout out there. And, and full credit, uh, Violet Blue was the first uh, person to come up with, uh, with Alpha Goog. Oh. So full credit to her. She's, okay. She's great. We'll uh, dedicate our next bowl of alphabet soup to her. Yeah. <laughs> anyway, yeah, there's all these cutesy little departments at AlphaGoog that have names like X is like the lab where they experiment with things. Yeah, Google you, X. You know, like they have Google Labs and stuff. You can put little experimental plugins in your email and Gmail. But right. They're doing far more sinister things because they're actually going to be dropping drone, uh, dropping burritos out of drones. AlphaGoog has partnered with Chipotle. Now, Chipotle is a fast food joint that serves Mexican food. It's a Mexican grill. And Ch- Chipotle is a fascinating company to me because they're re- relatively new or at least like new to me. I mean, they're newer sure. than like Wendy's, Burger King, McDonald's and all that. Sure. They have a totally different model. They're not going for the, tradi- you know, the kind of like Amer- like hamburgers and fries kind of thing that right. everybody else does that you can get a million different places. They actually have Mexican food. They have burritos they have um like salad bowls that you can get i well, usually get actually, like, a salad bowl when i go there and i do go there and i love it yeah and i get a burrito mm-hmm. um but like it is you know as somebody that has uh experience in the restaurant industry it's mm-hmm. it's and fast food as well um it it's actually a very simple uh, uh menu 
Like, I mean, it's you get like four different things you could choose from, like burrito, salad, and then there's like maybe one or two others. But then everything else after that is exactly the same. You know, like that you get to choose from kind of like a subway. Yeah, it's kind of like yeah. set up it's like the subway. Taco they have of these subway. bins of food that you say, they say, okay, what do you want on your burrito? You want right. rice? You want beans? Which kind of beans and which kind of cheese and blah, blah, blah. And then you, uh, emit, you get to the end of the line and they ask you if you want guacamole and then you pay for it and yeah, you kind of sit down and serve yourself. It's pretty cool. It's very high quality. Um, That's the thing. It's very high quality, especially for fast food. It's probably better quality than you can get at like a sit down rest at some sit down restaurants. Yeah. It definitely is better than like Applebee's or something like that sure. or Chile, Chili's or whatever. Um, if we're going to compare apples to apples, I suppose. But, um, it's interesting that they went for Mexican food because like whenever we go visit Mexico, the thing about like Mexican food in Mexico is they just don't put a lot of extra like shit in it. You know, like in America, everything's got corn syrup and wheat flour and soybean oil and all that shit that suppose, you know, like mm-hmm. some people think that makes you sick. And I'm, I kind of tend to agree with that. They just don't do that in Mexico. And I don't know, like it's just easier on the body. <laughs> it feels like sure. I just feel better when I'm eating food in Mexico. And, uh, you know, like obviously sticking to like natural foods like guacamole and, and meat and stuff like that. But anyway, um, Chipotle is fascinating to me because they have this, on one hand, it's like a fast food model, but on the other hand, it's high quality fast food. Yes. And it's actually kind of almost famous for people with food allergies can eat there and they're, it's safe and you know what you're going to get. Everything's very standardized from the decor in the different restaurants. It, it's really like a very, uh, a franchise where they've really gotten it the model down yeah and there's a lot of consistency across different restaurants yeah no very simple design language very uh, simple we, simple menu yeah. simple simple everything but yet um they actually are having trouble getting investors because they say the food is too high quality for them to maintain didn't that didn't somebody say that who was well, thinking about investing you no told me well that there's the other day. yeah there, there are some people that recently like did some major investments in the company but wall street quote unquote in the abstract uh-huh. thinks that it's a loser like they think that chipotle is a loser even though it was a darling a few years ago when it first started uh, because it has a lot of recipes no pun intended for success mm-hmm. um so yeah but but that is the concern is that there's really no way to save it but i think we have here perhaps a way that that maybe somebody's thinking they can save the company. Yeah, so they haven't had luck getting Wall Street investors, but apparently Chipotle signed this deal with um, Alphabet, um, where they're going to be piloting a program, no pun intended, to deliver burrito orders by drone at uh, the Virginia Tech campus. <laughs> Now, I don't know exactly why they're starting at Virginia Tech. It doesn't seem to make a lot of sense because Alphabet's not there, right? They're in California. Why don't they start in California? But, um, they're, I guess they're partners with, uh, a, like a, a part of Virginia Tech, which is the Mid-Atlantic Aviation Partnership. Mm-hmm. And it's one of six national test sites for unmanned aerial vehicles, which are drones. And this, this site is, um, it's it's not open to the public, but it's right near the Virginia Tech campus. Right. So that's why they hooked up with Virginia Tech. And this is coming out of X, which is, you know, we were talking about the cutesy, like, letter-named divisions at mm-hmm. Alphabet. Um, 
X is like the, you know, the lab that cooks up uh, experimental well, projects for yeah, Alphabet. It's their moonshot division. Their like moonshot, that, that's, yeah. <laughs> that's literally where Google Glass came out of, where driverless cars came out of. You know, all of the wild things you hear from Google came out of Google X. This is pretty wild. Could you imagine getting a burrito, like, falling out of the sky? It's, it, how long is it going to be before someone tries to, like, plink one off with a slingshot or something and get someone else's burrito, right? Well, I'm intrigued this is even being allowed. Because yeah. Amazon has been wanting to, and I mean, they've been spending billions yeah, on the technology, Yeah, they've been wanting really. to do deliveries with drones. Yeah, yeah. via drone. And um, they haven't had any part of Google. They right. haven't been par- partners with them. No, right. Yeah, it's completely separate. They mm-hmm. have Lab 123. That's their version of Google X. Right. Um, so, you know, letters, numbers. you got to call it something a five-year-old can understand. <laughs> right, right. Uh, so, but I, I'm shocked that, that Amazon, like, they won't let Amazon, but they'll let... Um, you know, they're letting this happen. Yeah. Maybe another reason they're doing this in Virginia is because they probably have like non-existent regulations about like flying shit in the air. Oh yeah. Well, I mean, they probably, <laughs> California probably already thought of it, you know? Yeah. There's a part of that. And I'm sure there's a lot of very, uh, very loose regulations around Langley. Uh, but, uh, you know, but, um, uh, <laughs> what Langley, Virginia, CIA headquarters. Oh, uh, anyway, <laughs> but, um, but whatever. I'm I'm just kind of being funny with that. I mean, I think the real reason that it's being allowed as to where it's not being allowed for Amazon is because, you know, uh, Amazon would be competing with the U.S. Postal Service and UPS and FedEx as to where Chipotle is not competing with anybody. You know, right? Like there's there's no one. None of those deliver food. R- well, not really. Yeah, exactly. I mean, certainly Amazon's looking to get into that game. Uber is stuff like this. Mm-hmm. But a, there is, you know, a lot of these kind of pilot programs for automated delivery and automated all kinds of things are happening everywhere. Uber just started their pilot program of driverless uh, cars in, I think, Pittsburgh, which uh, shocked me. Um, so, yeah, I, I, I mean, I think it's crazy. I think especially on a college campus, this is going to get. Like, this is I bet get there's going to be some no really entertaining stories of people fucking with it. Yeah. <laughs> Do you want to hear a quote about why they're doing this? Yeah, let's hear it. Okay, this is from Astro Teller X's quote, Captain of Moonshots. That's You'd his li- job title. Oh, yeah. fuck. Well, I'll tell oh, you God something. God help us all. Other than the fact that, that Astro Teller loves him some government, he would love this show. Like, <laughs> well, if you're listening, Astro, <laughs> welcome to Sex and Science Hour. Yeah. Get your free gun. <laughs> he said, we want to learn how people feel when they're receiving a package by air. How do you feel? Maybe the drone could give you a little survey and ask you, how are you feeling right now? Could select a button, one to five. We want to learn how people feel when they're receiving a package by air. And taking someone's time and or money changes things more than a little. And we want to feel the pressure of unexpected circumstances that show us how we can get better at loading and managing a fleet of planes. So he wants people to try to shoot them down and stuff to see how they can improve. Well, at the very least, there's going to be footballs tossed at it. I guarantee you that. Oh, yeah. It'll be like, that would be a, now that would be a prize. You know, if you, if you pegged a drone with a football and you got a free burrito, you wouldn't just be, you wouldn't just get the free burrito. You'd be like a big man (laughs) on campus. That gives hunting and gathering like a whole new meaning yeah absolutely <laughs> yeah right <laughs> so watch out for flying drones bearing burritos uh in the future it's a crazy world i don't know i mean i i, I guess it's, i have to say it's kind of cool but how much extra does it cost at the end of the day i think it's a gimmick just like i think with yeah, amazon it, really pretty it, much it's, it's a, it's, a gimmick yeah it's a gimmick <laughs> <laughs>
anyway. <laughs> well, last year, while discussing the entrepreneurial spirit at Virginia Tech, I jokingly speculated we might one day have quadcopters delivering ramen noodles around campus. And apparently I wasn't off by much, said the president of Virginia Tech, Tim Sands. Well, and you'll also have them watching everything you do. Enjoy. Oh, <laughs> we're in trouble. It's sex and science hour. Hey, sex and science hour. Yeah, sometimes I am a real downer. I apologize. <laughs> yeah, well, it's nice to hear you doing some self-reflection, Brian. Yeah. There's just gaining self-awareness. I, you know, Brian and I talk a lot off the air about, shall we say, Brian's public persona, like how he comes across <laughs> on his podcast. Brian has another podcast. It's called Sovereign Tech. It's a technology podcast. Okay. And um, by the way, we are, what, what do you call it? Life partners, uh, lovers, boyfriend and girlfriend, if you want to get really conventional. Hey, I, I don't think that's <laughs> conventional. I think that's very rebellious. We are term. together anyway. in a romantic way. Yes. We love each other. Oh, yes. And oh, so, yes. you know, I think it, 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 it comes up, but you know, little love, lovers' quarrels, or it's not even a quarrel. No, it's not. It doesn't even reach the level of a quarrel. But you know, I'm Brian. Brian can have sort of a tough exterior. He sort of plays this angry wrestler character on his podcast, <laughs> and and some people think that's how he really is in real life. Like, I'll sometimes get people saying to me, like, "I want to ask Brian about something," but I'm kind of like intimidated by him i don't think he likes me very much i don't think he likes anyone very much what do i do I, like i really do get those and, yeah. and then when that happens i tell you about it brian and you're like well i don't understand why they think i don't like them <laughs> it's like dude listen to your show <laughs> there there are plenty of people in this world i do not like but there are plenty of, but there are plenty you don't of have people to like everyone no, right but just you know it, it's nice to see some self-awareness about how some people could you know, interpret it when they hear maybe like a like an over the top, somewhat sometimes angry sounding intro on on the podcast. Well, hey, <laughs> but anyway, there's plenty of people I do like, and I'm actually so I, I'm an I guess I'm an assertive kind of. Huh, that sounds bad. I don't know how to say this. Like I'm a nice guy, but at the same time, I'm not a nice guy. Like. Like I Do call no bullshit harm, but right and left. Take no shit. That's yeah, what you're all about. Yeah, so. yeah. So I don't know how exactly to describe it because you say if you, if you say and you're an assertive are, guy, that kind of sounds like you're may, might be rapey or something, which I'm not. Yeah, no, you yeah. don't mean like sexually assertive. No, right. I mean, even though I, I suppose you could say you are, but not in a creepy way, not in an unwanted way towards anyone. Yeah, it's just I, that you, yeah, you're. It, you're not shy about saying when you have a disagreement with something. Yeah. Let's just put it that way. And you do it in an entertaining, over-the-top, character kind of way yeah. on your podcast. I'm a nice guy. I just don't wear a white hat. There you go. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Whatever, Brian. Um, <laughs> so speaking of, if you don't really, if you don't like someone so much, Brian, there's a new research study that can poke your brain to make you like them more based on their face really yes tell me more about this because this... i think i've got a face for radio <laughs> <laughs> i like your face thank you <laughs> this is an article that was from sciencenews.org it was sent to us by our new producer mk i didn't even tell you i hired on a new producer brian 
We did? Yeah, it's MK Lords. She's oh. now our new official you don't have sex to tell and me science that. hour she producer. Can, she can do whatever she wants. Absolutely. <laughs> she's got a golden ticket. She does. She on is the am- show. she is amazing. <laughs> um yeah, she's our friend, but she sent we were discussing show prep and she sent me this article and I thought it was really interesting. So Brain Training Can Alter Opinions of Faces by Laura Sanders from ScienceNews.org. Um Mental uh, neurofeedback technique nudges people to shift neutral judgments to like or dislike. By sneakily influencing brain activity, scientists change people's opinions of faces. This covert neural sculpting relied on a sophisticated brain training technique in which people learn to direct their thoughts in specific ways. The results, published in September 8th in PLOS Plus biology support the idea that neurofeedback methods could help reveal how the brain's behavior gives rise to perceptions and emotions. What's more, the technique may ultimately prove useful for easing traumatic memories and treating disorders such as depression. The research is still at an early stage, says neurofeedback researcher Michelle Hampton of Yale University, but she notes, I think it has great promise. Takeo Watanabe of Brown University and colleagues used functional MRI to measure people's brain activity in an area called the cingulate cortex as participants saw pictures of faces. After participants had rated each face, a computer algorithm sorted their brain responses into patterns that corresponded to faces they liked and faces they disliked. The face. (laughs) The face. It's all about the face, really. With this knowledge in hand, the researchers then attempted to change people's face preferences by subtly nudging brain activity in the cingulate cortex. Now, just this is me breaking in here. There are specific areas of your brain that are devoted to recognizing and processing faces. Yes. And people can have strokes in those areas and they, they like forget whose face belongs or they can't even like tell they can't even like look at a picture and say, Oh yeah, that's a face. Wow. It's, it's amazing. Like I if had... you draw like a, like a smiley face, they're like, mm-hmm. Oh, what's that? It's like some lines. Whereas anybody else would say, Oh yeah, that's a, that's a face. It's angry. It's happy, whatever. Yeah. I've, I've heard of this to some degree. I didn't know it would actually like create that much of a, of a, a deterious or deleterious effect. Yeah. I mean, we learn so much from people who have strokes in specific areas of their brain and mm. then it, it wipes out a certain function and we're like, Ooh, fascinating. But of course it sucks for the person who has terrible. a stroke, right? Absolutely. Terrible. Then they can't like recognize wiggly lines from a face on a piece of paper. Um, but anyway, so the cingulate cortex, I, that might be the area. Um, I'm, I'm guessing that is the area that mainly processes faces. Yeah. So what this, these researchers did was they they got like a baseline reading of what it looked like, what a picture of people's brain activity looked like when they liked a face or when they didn't like a face. So they're like, okay, this is what it looks like when Brian likes a face. This is okay. what it looks like when he doesn't like a face. Now we're going to try to use that and manipulate him into liking or not liking certain faces. Oh, oh no. (laughs) So in step two of the experiment, returning to the fMRI scanner, participants saw an image of a face they had previously rated as neutral. So they they gave the face a rating like one through five. And they were like, oh, that face is a three. It's I don't really like it, but I don't really dislike it. So they saw an image of a face they had previously rated neutral. Just after that, they were shown a disc. The goal, the participants were told, was simple. Make the disc bigger by using their brains. They had no idea that the only way to make the disc grow was to think in a very particular way. For 12 people, the researchers made the disc grow when the participants' brain activity looked like... For 12 people... 
the researchers made the disc grow when the participants' brain activity looked like the activity that corresponded to faces they had liked in the first round. So they gave them this little reward, okay. right? You can, you're, the goal of this experiment is to make this circle bigger, right? And the only way you can do that is with your brain. But they don't tell you, like, how to do that. They just say, okay, your brain controls it. Make it bigger. Go ahead. Okay. And unbeknownst to the participants, this circle would only get bigger if they liked the face, so they're training them to like the face in order to make the circle bigger and meet the goal. Whoa. <laughs> but they're not telling them that. For the other, t- the other 12 people, the disc grew when their brain activity mirrored activity elicited by previously unliked faces. So they did the same thing, except they're training these people to not like, to dislike the face. Okay. Another six people saw the faces, but didn't do any, any disc training. This training lasted an hour a day for three days. At the end of the training, people induced to call up brain activity similar to positive responses rated previously neutral faces as slightly more positive. So they were actually able to train these people to like the face more. So, so this worked. Yep, it totally worked. And, and <laughs> by doing this again and again, said the researcher Watanabe, who's the la- lead author of this study, by doing this again and again, subjects began to like what was neutral before. And people who had called up associ- people who had called up activity associated with negative responses rated previously neutral faces as slightly more negative. So it worked either way. They could, they could train people to either like a face that they previously were like, eh, neutral on, or they could train people to dislike a face that they previously thought was neutral. I I am intrigued by this. Yep. Like I I am worried where this could get used. Yes, I'm worried too. Like I could see Hollywood going <laughs> wild. Can with you this imagine kind of some thing. video game like has this technology kind of sneaked in there? Uh, I don't I don't know how I feel um, about this. <laughs> what about like uh Yeah, I mean what what about like um what about like using it to like get rid of racism or something? You know, some people have strong negative reactions when they see faces of people of certain ethnicities or whatever. If it's something that they're willing to go through. Yeah, if it's something they're willing to go through. But it, it is kind of scary to just think of having your brain kind of reprogrammed like that. But then again, I suppose if it's something you really wanted to eradicate and you yeah. wanted to get over, as long as it's your choice, right? But if it's not your choice, then it starts to get scary. Yeah, I, you know, I worry too, like, I mean, so... So these patterns, I mean, this is literally electrical patterns in the brain that they are seeing change. Yep. Am I getting that correctly? Uh, yeah, the, the MRI is a way to read the, the right. patterns of brain activity and those, those, they've trained them to change their brain activity. Yes. Yeah. So I, I feel a little more concerned. There, there's an area of research that, that worries me. There's a lot of positives, but like any tool, any technological tool, you know, there can be a lot of negatives mm-hmm. and uh, deep brain stimulation. Mm-hmm in many ways scares the shit out of me. Uh, well, they, do you, did you remember like a couple of years ago, there was a, they like nicknamed it the God helmet or something like that. Yeah. Yes. Where there was a helmet they could put on somebody on somebody's head and they would induce like a magnetic activity or a magnetic current at some electromagnetic current at some part of the right. helmet that corresponded to like the religious area of your brain. Yeah. And they could make people like basically have religious experiences like they do when they're tripping on drugs. Right. <laughs> right. Yeah. yeah. And this was actually a lot of the research was being uh, done in concert with marketing companies, I mean, mm-hmm. which is terrifying. Um, oh, God. Yeah. Wow. <laughs> yeah. I mean, that gets pretty. Yeah. You and I actually talked about that a, a few years ago. World. Yeah. On, on Sovereign Tech. Yeah, we um, did. 
So, yeah, but deep brain stimulation. So this is, I mean, effectively, they, you know, they put a little whatever, some kind of node in your brain, and then they send current to it. And, you know, based upon where they put it and, and how much current, whatever else, they, you know, it, it creates a certain effect. Now, there's all kinds of effects that this can create. It can create hypersexuality. They've already done this. Um, it can create, like, I mean, just all different kinds of things. But, I mean, it can do bad things as well. Yeah. And, like, I wonder if they would start, start selling... Um, like deep brain stimulation affecting these areas of the brain to change reactions to, you know, the face, you know, to faces and all these different things. Oh my God. Marketing and, companies would love that. Wouldn't they? Oh you yeah. Know? But fortunately, you know, a deep brain stimulator is something that has to be implanted in your head through a major neurosurgery. So yes, you can't just at like, this time. you can't just write at this time. So until we have like nanobots that can go exactly to the right area without doing surgery, that's not feasible, but it could be maybe with some future technology. Now, I do. Oh, but you know, you were talking about deep brain stimulation. I think I've told this story on the show before, but I remember I had a neuroscience professor who was talking about this cat that they uh -huh. had in the neuroscience department that had a electrode like right in its amygdala, which is the fear center of the brain. Right. And it acted like a normal cat that got the, his professor would bring it out, trot the cat out in front of the class, is acting like a normal cat. All of a sudden, he flips a remote control switch, turns on the deep brain stimulator, and the cat starts yowling and hissing oh. and, you know, it's going nuts. And, uh, and then he turns it off and the cat's like goes back to normal within a couple of minutes again. Yeah, so fucking around with the brain. Scary. <laughs> See, here I go. Shit, here I go again. I'm not making it depressing. I'm sorry. No, yeah. I mean, I, well, I think we can put a positive spin on this. I mean, when you when you want to choose to like we rewire your brain, like I I know a girl who um she was trying to become like more rational. Okay, and so she took like every known cognitive bias that humans have, uh -huh. like a little bugs in our brains where we we tend to th think in like irrational illogical ways right like mm -hmm. for example we we might have um uh, a negative a negativity bias or something like that we might think um a dangerous thing is way we might be way more afraid of a potential bad outcome than is actually likely to happen or something like that okay and so she just took all these different um cognitive biases and she put them on flashcards and she like memorized them and then she tried to identify them in her own thinking. And mm. I, I mean, I don't know how long that lasted or if it helped, but she had a blog about it. Um, I'll and it was kind of interesting. Also, um, I, I remember getting an email. Um, I did a podcast called Pork Therapy. It was a relationship talk show. And it, I mean, it's kind of similar to this one. Sex and Science Hour kind of spawned from Pork Therapy, yes. really. It was like the mother of Sex and Science Hour. Um, but I remember getting an email on that podcast from a guy who, th this was so interesting to me. So, okay. Um, this is like the reverse of ex-gay therapy. So <laughs> this guy considered himself a heterosexual guy. He had a girlfriend. He had a best guy friend who was gay or at least attracted to guys, bisexual um, and like kind of more experienced than him. Like mm -hmm. his friend had had relationships with guys in the past. The person who emailed me had not. Okay. And they were spending a lot of time together. The guy, the email guy liked his best friend. It was like in love with him basically, but didn't really, you know, didn't like, couldn't overcome, like he had grown up Mormon and he, he just couldn't bring himself 
to do anything sexual with his best friend, even though he wanted to and his best friend wanted to, but he, he was like, something was just holding him back. And so I can't he, believe that's what this, that's Eric, keep going. I'm sorry. <laughs> I, I just figured out what all this research is about. Go. <laughs> well, I want to hear that, but okay. I'll, I'll finish this. I'll finish the story yeah. first. So basically he, he trained himself to just get over it and to like, he said like the first couple times he had sex with his friend, it was weird. It felt wrong. He felt like he shouldn't, he had all these thoughts of like, I shouldn't be doing this. This is wrong. This is bad. And then like, it started to feel better. And then like pretty soon it felt completely normal and it felt much better. And it, and then pretty soon he was really enjoying it. <laughs> wow. That, that says it all. This is all being funded and done. By the gay mafia. By, by, this is the oh, gay agenda. Come it, it's on, the pink no. mafia. Oh, they, no. they are, they, this no, is what's no, happening. No. They are, they are There's turning. There's nothing gay about this. They're turning all the men in, into the gays. That's what's <sighs> happening. No. I, I'm obviously, I'm being facetious. Yeah. I, I have no uh, problem with Don't even with, joke about yeah. that. <laughs> I just, the reason I brought that story up is you can actually train yourself. If you have biases in your brain that were installed there by culture, by your, Maybe your parents, maybe people in your mm-hmm. family were, had racist ideas or homophobic ideas or something. Maybe you got sent to church and they scared the shit out of you and put a lot of homophobia into your, into your mind. If you had software installed in your mind that you don't want and you want to uninstall, you can do that. And one of the ways to do it is to d- deprogram yourself by exposing yourself to the thing that you're afraid of or dislike or whatever. Gradually, you know, you just kind of introduce it and it becomes more normal. And then you think about it and process it and say, Oh, you know, why am I really afraid of this? It's really not that scary. It's really not that bad. Right. Um, these people that my family didn't like are people too. They're human beings. They do the same stuff as I do. Right. If your family was racist and you got some of it or whatever. Um, and it has less negative effects than say beer goggles. Um, oh, you mean just like if you're, if you're attracted to a same sex person, but you just get drunk and have sex with them and not do it sort of, I, I don't have experience in matter, I'm just saying <laughs> maybe this is more of a long-term solution and it doesn't, you know, I mean, it would be kind of funny if like your family was racist and you're like, shit, I picked this up and I realize it and I don't want to be racist. So every time I see a person of a different race, I'm just going to have a beer and I'm just going to get drunk. <laughs> oh, no. and, that would be weird. Yeah, this whole thing's getting weird. <laughs> this whole thing is getting but weird. It but it is it is absolutely fascinating that this is possible. Like that you can effectively reprogram. And I mean I can see all the positives for this. Um obviously I could see, you know, where it could be used negatively as well, but uh it, it is amazing that that is possible to do. Yeah, and you know, speaking of like sort of gay reeducation, I I hope we don't get shit for this. I don't think we will because of the people that listen to our show, but I have a conf- I mean, I confess. I share memes on Facebook. I I talk about it. I I put it out there. You know, just p- pictures of girls kissing, you mm. know, c- cartoons or whatever oh, or yeah. you know, like they there's like this meme of like Disney princesses that that are kissing each other or something. I think it's cute, you know. Yeah. Um I shared like a list of movies that have f- women that are together in the movie. Mm-hmm. Um, and I, you know, I do that stuff because I want to show that it's normal. Yeah. You want to normalize it. And you know, growing up for me, growing up in the nineties, you never saw anything gay. 
like on TV. Yeah. It was like the, the don't ask, don't tell was like the, the totally the norm in the world. It just was not out there. And for someone who had like, you know, who I was attracted to girls, I'm bisexual, but it was very confusing for me because I never saw that that would, could be a thing, you know, well, no, I never saw right. characters in TV or anything or books. So I just hope that the, the young girls growing up that, you know, or the young boys that are attracted to other boys or people who are genderqueer or whatever, you know, who, no matter what, like they can see people in the world that are like themselves and they can feel like not invisible and that there's not something wrong with them. Yeah, absolutely. And I th- honestly, I think that's great. I don't think there's anything wrong with wanting to express what you want to see more of in the world or what you want, you know, to, to, to be felt more. Well, normal some people about. would say that's the gay, that's the, that's gay, the gay agenda. agenda. They well, you know, their abnormal. I mean, behavior. I think I'm so glad you do it. And, and, and if, if we have a minute, <laughs> I want to keep doing it. Uh. Absolutely. <laughs> well, if we, if we have a minute, I mean, like, it's bad because the first time a lot of that, like, lesbianism really became more mainstream that I can totally recall was Ellen DeGeneres and Rosie O'Donnell. Yes, that's right. And what terrible role models. And <laughs> They're I'm, very wealthy women, very successful well, women. No, well, but I mean, like, like, uh, yeah, I mean, there's, there's some truth to that, but like at the same time, like they're not necessarily, like, I think a lot of people, like in our circles would write them off as being, you know, they're, they're part of the system or something like that, right? They're part of the system? Yeah. Because they're like liberal? Yeah. Right. Or, okay. or, or, you know, or, or something. Sure. You like don't that. see a lot of different political views represented among LGBT people. Yeah. I just, I don't. Especially in the nineties. It was like, I don't think a lot of young women. simplistic caricature of gay people that were, there wasn't a lot of diversity in the types of gay people. Like there's, it wasn't, there wasn't, there wasn't, it wasn't shown that there's more than one way to be gay or LGBT yeah. or whatever. Yeah. I don't mean to take anything away from their accomplishments. I'm just saying I've never heard uh, a young woman, a woman, whatever, say, I want to grow up and be Rosie O'Donnell or Ellen DeGeneres. Mm. Okay. Like I've, I've never, ever heard that. So, I mean, there, there's, there's arguments for and against them being great role models as far as like lesbianism goes. Right. Um, but I don't know. I mean, Ellen, she's. <laughs> She's very wealthy. She's got a hot wife. I mean, what's, well, sure. what's not to like? That, that, that's, that's, that's fine. That's fine. But uh, you know what? The, the point I'm trying to get at here is that like, I have never heard more women come out and say that they are either lesbian or bisexual than on the show you mentioned just a few minutes ago, that being pork therapy. Yes. They would call into that show. And come out. Yeah. And you know why they did that? Because I was open about being exactly bisexual. Exactly my point. And they don't, that's right. People see it as it's safe to come out because I'm out. And Be- so it's like I'm reaching a hand into the closet and saying, okay, come on, you can come out. Yeah. And then they do. Yeah. And that's what people, they need role models or they don't need, but it's good to have role models. It's good to have people normalizing a lot of this stuff. And I'm glad for what you do and you don't do it at any like, sneaky test way um but i I think the way you do it is is just wonderful and i am so proud of all of the women uh you know and even men that have come out there's been lots of men too absolutely thank you everybody welcome back so that took a little bit different turn than i thought yeah but We're going to continue on this bisexual uh, thread because I've got a shocker about bisexuals. This is the sex segment of our show. Okay. Not the shocker, a shocker. Gotcha. This is from Pink News UK. Nearly nearly half of adults say they would not feel comfortable dating someone who is bisexual. What? We don't want to date those bisexuals. 
Well, right? I'm glad that, that, that I'm really, I was worried I was getting into a little bit of like people that was saying I was doing a circle jerk here or something, you know, but I'm glad I said what I said in the last segment here, you know, about ro- bisexual role models and all that. Right. Please continue. So it, it relates. Um, the news comes from a sex survey carried out for sex toy company Adam and Eve, who polled a hundred, oh, sorry, which polled a thousand adults across the U.S. According to the poll, just under half, 47% of those polled said they would not be open to having a relationship with a bisexual individual. Wow. Just under half of people said they would not be open to having a relationship with a bisexual individual. Do they give Well, look people, I've got news for you. Most women are bisexual. So you're probably, you could be in a relationship with a bisexual. All you guys out there with girlfriends, you think they're 100% straight. So is spaghetti until it gets hot. (laughs) (laughs) You might be in a relationship with a bisexual person and not even know it. Because they're not coming out to you because they know that you don't approve of their of who they really are. Right. And so they're staying in the closet. Now, let me ask you this. Would you really want your lover, the person you love, the person you're in a relationship with, to be shoved into the closet just because you feel threatened by their orientation? I don't think, I mean, hopefully not. <laughs> right. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, there were polls uh, recently in just the past few years that said, I think, 64% of women identified, and this was in the U.S., I think it was, yep. identified as being bisexual, mm-hmm. but it went up to like 87%. If you ask them if, if they've ever been with another woman. Yeah, yeah. like, like, and, <laughs> and right. other, or even asked about leanings. 90%. It yeah. Huge. If you've I mean, ever been attracted to another woman, they're like, oh, yeah, of course I am. <laughs> yeah, right. Oh, I'm not bisexual, but yeah, of course I'm attracted to women. <laughs> yeah, exactly. So, I, I mean, and with guys, honestly, I, well, I think you'd have a harder time perhaps getting some of the truth on that. But well, anyway. Yeah, yeah that's that's something I'm not really familiar with the numbers on. But I know there's more bisexuals out there than they admit. Now, some people say some buys and some straights, I guess, paranoid straights, perhaps. Some people say that everyone is really a little bit bisexual, but most of them just don't admit it. Some people say nobody's bisexual. Some people say anyone who claims to be bisexual is just actually gay and they're, you know, they're trying to sort of do a soft coming out, <laughs> you know, uh, they're trying to like step one foot out of the closet and keep the other one in. Now, I, I think both of those are myths. So everyone's bisexual and nobody's bisexual. Both of those are myths. The truth is somewhere in the middle. There, bisexuals do exist, both genders, men, female, mm-hmm. you know, people who don't feel gender queers or whatever. There's people of all genders who are bisexual and they are legit bisexual, <laughs> attracted to, um, different, you know, both. Well, it gets all complicated because, you know, if you think of gender as a spectrum, right? They're, they're not just attracted to one type of gender. They're attracted to more than one type of gender. They now, it doesn't have to be an equal attraction either. Someone could be bisexual if they're like, you know, 90% attracted to men, but then 10% attracted to women. Right. Someone could be bisexual if they're 50-50. Well, I find both attractive pretty much equally. Someone could be bisexual if they're in a heterosexual relationship. Someone could be bisexual if they're in a gay or lesbian relationship. Yeah. So bisexuality takes a lot of form. So there are more bisexuals out there than admit it. 
Right. There, but the, but not everybody is bisexual, and not nobody is bisexual. Yeah, yeah. If if I could speak to that for a moment, I mean, if I'm derailing the the story, you know, just tell me to be quiet on it <laughs> because I don't have to keep going. But like, yeah, it's it's very tough. Like, how does one even define bisexual? You know, because. Okay, like I wouldn't define myself as bisexual, mm-hmm. but there are men out there mm-hmm. that I think are fucking hot. <laughs> like that, uh-huh. that, that, you know, like I, 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 but I'm not, you know, never have. Well, do you, would you, um, do any, would you make out with them? No, I don't think if so. You had the chance. No, I don't think you just so. Think they're hot. But I, I, but I, I, I wouldn't, I wouldn't call that bisexual. Right. But, but I, you know, under some polls, maybe that would get. You know, labeled under some polls as, as under well, hmm. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> See, maybe this evens out because if if half of people who are polled say they wouldn't be open to having a relationship with a bisexual, people are always complaining because oh yeah, bisexuals, you guys have it easy. You have the the whole dating pool is open to you. You would if you would just date anybody, and they assume that we'll sleep with anybody too, which isn't true. Right? We still have standards. Thank you very much. Um, <laughs> that people are like, oh well, it's not fair. You have such a big dating pool. Well, half of those fuckers won't have a relationship with us so that kind of balances it out don't you think so so anyway going on with this article from pink news 35 percent of the respondents said they were open to having open to having a relationship with it and 19 percent said they weren't sure they were undecided i guess it maybe it would depend on the person of these more men than women 39 percent versus 31 percent were open to a relationship with a bisexual partner 23% of the women versus 15% of the men were unsure. A separate study this week found that a separate study this week found that despite the resistance, women who do date bisexual men praised the emotional depth, sexual intimacy, and equitable gender dynamic of their mixed orientation relationship, with some claiming that they would never be with a heterosexual man again. Wow. Wow. Hell yeah. Once you go by, you'll never go back. Ladies. <laughs> Bravo. So, you know, and then they go on to talk about sort of like the myths and the fears about bisexuals. Um, you know, this is this is like really a true thing. Like I know a couple I know some women mm-hmm. who are bisexual, but they won't say it publicly. And I, I knew a woman, in fact, who was bisexual. Well, she would tell me that she was in private, but mm-hmm. she would go on dating sites and she would list herself as straight and she would try to do everything she could to prevent the guys from learning that she was bisexual because nah. A, she thought they wouldn't want her, wouldn't want to be in a relationship with her, which I Ridiculous. guess is a valid fear because I, I mean, it's just that why do you want to be with someone who's like threatened by it, you know, right? But I guess she didn't want to rule anybody out with that or she didn't want someone to rule her out based on that at first. Mm-hmm. And... And the other thing was, she was also afraid that they would stereotype and they would immediately assume that she wanted to have threesomes. And wow. she didn't want to have threesomes. So, Which I think those are both valid concerns. I just feel it's too bad that she well, had to like get shoved into the closet because of that. Yeah, I, I think there are people that feel that way. The first one, I don't understand. The second one, I get it. The first, especially on her part, like not wanting to be thought that she's just, you know, going to, right. you know do it but all. if people say uh, if people assume if you're if people find out that you're bisexual and the first thing they say is oh great let's have a threesome they're an asshole okay yeah i mean that's just a jerk thing to say yeah i mean and honestly like i i would almost rather the person you know just be out there that you're bisexual because if they come out and say that well then 
you know, you just saved yourself a ton of time. Right. Exactly. Uh, Eliminate the assholes. They'll show yeah. them. They'll show their true colors right. fast. Process of elimination. But the yeah. first part I don't get because one of the true joys of you being bisexual is that when we go out, you know, to where, whatever, wherever we go or whatever we're doing or for watching something, we can both say to each other, Oh, she's hot. You <laughs> yeah, know, that's I mean, fun. Like, that is so great. Fun. Or you'll start telling me, you know, about, about whatever woman we're, you know, we happen to be seeing it, you know, however that works out. And we've, we've never really done it with a guy like he's hot. Well, except George Michael, I suppose. You think yeah, George yeah. Michael's hot, oh, he's right? hot? Yeah, he's hot. Yeah. He's I think, hot. I mean, I could go down a list, but I need you know, no need to do that now. <laughs> but, um, yes, that's one of the joys. So yeah. I guess, Brian, you are, you are one of the non asshole camp who would be willing to have sex, who have a relationship. <laughs> whoops, excuse me, to have relationship with a bisexual because that's me and yeah, you but, have a relationship with me but i don't understand why wouldn't you want a partner like you know of the if you're into the opposite sex mm -hmm. that also shares your love of the opposite sex like that, that just seems to make perfect right? sense it's, it's kind like, of a no-brainer yeah. i mean I, I guess i could see like there's a lot of lesbian women who don't want to date bisexual women yeah now that i understand in fact there's one lesbian I know who, when asked if she would date a bisexual woman, she said, no, I really want a full-time lesbian. <laughs> I don't want no part-time lesbian. I want a full-time lesbian. Yeah. Well, <laughs> I can be a little sympathetic to that because, you know, not, not that this is why people become lesbians, okay? But I think there are some lesbians who have had... Like Had so, it up to here with men. Yes. Just so sick of them. And, yeah, and I, I sure. totally understand that. I just that. don't want any possibility of a man being involved. Yep. I understand and respect that all the way. And so, you know, you don't want, you, like, you're just limiting the, the, the opportunities for, for that to enter your life again. Mm -hmm. That makes a ton of sense to me. What about gay men who don't want to date bisexual men? I think yeah, I, it's the same deal. I and think I, I know. It. Yeah. Well, <laughs> I mean, it because it goes all ways. So I just thought that was a that was a fascinating little little study. Sure. If you want to come out on Sex and Science Hour, by the way, I'm inviting you to come out of the closet. If you haven't and you want to come out on the show, I'll read your email. You can maybe we'll do a voicemail line in season three, but we haven't set that up right now. But, oh, boy. Um, you can send us an email coming out email if you want. And we'll uh, we could read it on the show if it's, you know, appropriate for the show, of course. Sure. Yeah, absolutely. So show at sexandsciencehour.com is our email address. Um, you know, we, we, let's see, do we have time to get into this? Yeah, I think we have time. So apparently there's a little problem on Airbnb with racism. Okay. And where does this come from? Well, okay. Not only anecdotal reports from black people saying that they try to book rooms on Airbnb and sometimes the host will like suddenly be busy that weekend and then they have a white friend try to or they create a fake profile as a white person and they try to reserve a room that very same weekend and suddenly the ho the host is open mm -hmm. for them <laughs> once it's a white profile and uh you know with black hosts apparently sometimes they change their uh profile picture to like a cat or something that doesn't show that they're black and they get more bookings Wow. Yeah. Yeah. So, so, you know, that seems to indicate a problem. So there's some anecdotal reports, but Harvard actually did a study of people. They created like a bunch of fake profiles on Airbnb and mm -hmm. they had, um, the exact same profile description. Everything about the profile was the same, except one had a white sounding name and the other one had a black sounding name. Right. And the black sounding names got denied. Like it was actually statistically 
provable when they tried to make reservations. So there seems to be a real problem is backed up by some studies. Um, Airbnb came out with this email today or, or something. They were trying, they, they say that they're trying to address the problem of discrimination on Airbnb. Okay. Okay. And they sent out an email saying, if you've been discriminated against, we're going to, um, you know, follow up with you and, tr- and make sure you can get a booking. And we're very sorry about this. And we're going to try to hire more diverse employees. And we're going to try to, um, you know, we're going to try to eradicate this on the platform. We're going to take action. There's going to be some kind of, um, oh, what did they do? There's going to be like a, a better feedback system on the platform to try to ban people who discriminate, I guess. Um, and then they're also going to experiment with, quote, reducing the prominence of guest photos in the booking process, which I don't know, because that's like, how are you going to know what the person looks like? I mean, I guess if you can make your profile picture a cat, then it doesn't really do much anyway. But um, so they're trying to maybe take some steps to address what's going on here. But. <laughs> okay, Brian, you're, you look like you're going to say something. Well, I, I just, th- this is not something I get it. You know, I'm not saying that, uh, Airbnb doesn't have the right to do this sort of thing. Um, but I, I think this is terrible. I think it's a terrible idea. Like I want my apps. I want, you know, my pipes. I want my technology to be dumb. You know, it is not for them to set that stuff up. The stuff that, you know, the, the implementations of how to solve issues, how to, you know, how to, uh, uh, raise awareness, say on a platform and things like that. All of that gets created by users. For example, Twitter with hashtags. Twitter did not invent the hashtag. People did. Mm-hmm. And then, you know, Twitter had a search function in it. And so they found out how to game the search fun- function. You know, I mean, just make people aware that this is a thing. And then Airbnb, in my opinion, should stay the fuck out of the way. Yeah. I mean, I see what they're trying to do. I mean, they're trying to help, you know, fix this problem and make it more inclusive to people, but you can't have any rule or policy that's going to make people less racist. You know, no. you might just drive the racism underground, right? Like if someone was bigoted against you, would you really want to stay at their house? Like, I don't think I'd feel comfortable with that. Right. I kind of want to know if somebody's going to be like, yeah, discriminatory against me. And then another person, um, somebody shared this article on Facebook and she said, she brought up a good point. She said she hosts on Airbnb and she wants to be able to discriminate against who stays in her house. For example, she's a single woman. She only wants other women to stay with her. And she doesn't want people with kids to stay because they destroy the house. Right. Yeah. (laughs) So shouldn't she be able to do that? I mean, um, you could say she's being sexist. You should, you could say she's being discriminatory against people with kids, but, um, I don't know. It's kind of like her house, right? (laughs) Well, right. I mean, and this is the nature of any kind of like central planning. And that's really what's happening within Airbnb's platforms. This is some kind of central planning, you know, being, brought down from on high and yeah racism's terrible i think what's happening is terrible but it is not for airbnb to solve um you know as, yeah as i a don't platform. think they and, can solve it yeah and it's going to create more problems and the people that that really want to be like say like very openly racist about it uh they're just going to game it you, you know i mean like like it's really you, yeah you can't solve it mm-hmm. you know i'm kind of i'm reminded because, I mean, oh boy, I'm reminded of something an old friend of mine said, Harlan Ellison. He said, you know, racism is so deeply ingrained, most people will just never realize 
that, you know, it's, it's like a part of their thinking. Yeah. That's the problem is it's very insidious. It can be very insidious. You yeah. Know, it's not always overt, like calling someone a racial slur or whatever. It's, it's like these subtle ways of thinking of like, you know, someone walks past you and you walk, you lock your door or you keep your purse closer to yourself right. or so, somebody walks into a store and you're eyeing them suspiciously or whatever, you know? Yeah. Yeah. Absolutely. And so, yeah, I, I, I don't agree. You know, I, I agree. It's obvious that race, at least, you know, according to what's being presented here, it's obvious that racism is occurring. Um, you, you can know, learn so much by either, making those fake profiles. Yeah, yeah. I mean, it's so interesting. In some ways, it may be benign. It might be that deeply ingrained kind, you know, which, I mean, you know, what do you do about that? All you can do is educate people. You know what I mean? <laughs> uh, and maybe in some other ways, it's it's not so benign. Maybe in other ways, it's very open, you know, and... But it, it, this really is not for Airbnb to do. I mean, what do you think? Well, there was another thing that got brought up, which is that Airbnb, somebody somebody else wrote an article that said the racist hosts are actually not the real problem. Like hmm. Airbnb loves that people are talking about racist hosts on their platform. But the real problem is actually way bigger because in California and especially in places like Oakland, which is, you know, kind of near San Francisco, but is outside of the city or whatever. Like California has a big housing crisis, especially in places like San Francisco, yes. um, Bay Area, San Diego, you know, L.A. perhaps. Um Housing is very expensive mm -hmm. and there's certain neighborhoods, I guess, that are being sort of that used to be affordable that are being taken over and the prices of living there rent are being driven way up, partly by, you know, regulations and partly by like companies like tech companies moving people in and um, paying yeah. people to start up salaries, the cost of living there, and then they want to live nearby and there's like a shortage of housing in a lot of different places. Now, they've tried to make laws in some cities. I think San Francisco is included that if you rent an Airbnb, you have to like pay the hotel taxes. And I don't think people do that, but no, right. Yeah. <laughs> um, you're like exempt from it if it's actually your house and you're like renting out a spare room. But, um, for a lot of there, there's a lot of like real estate investors and there's a lot of like professional Airbnb renters mm -hmm. that buy up real estate and then they rent it out for a price that's more expensive than it would than like long term housing there would be in the neighborhood, yeah. um, but below the price of like hotels in the neighborhood. So they're they're making a killing and they're renting out these Airbnb like you know corporate kind of IKEA furniture hipstery airbnb uh rentals where nobody actually lives like you're not living in you're not staying in a spare room in someone's home you're staying in a corporatized yeah. like basically a hotel right they're that's getting into, run by airbnb yeah you're they're getting into the hotel business without having to go through the bullshit of making a hotel right and then meanwhile there's people complaining like there's there are signs that you that people take pictures of in chinatowns and other neighborhoods like ethnic neighborhoods i guess that say hey vacationers enjoy your vacation you're pushing out the actual chinese people who live here because <laughs> which i mean it's kind of stupid to blame them but i what else do they probably feel like they're going to do right because they can't yeah it's how they feel about real it. estate developers you can't really fight with airbnb so this person was saying that the real problem is actually that 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 they're affecting these neighborhoods that usually like immigrants or like minorities would live in and they're driving up the cost of housing and causing this housing crisis mm. but really like the city bears so much more responsibility for that oh it is you know, it is it, their fault in the end they yes. created the situation it's just not as simple as blaming airbnb for it you know i mean 
like I read this one article. This journalist wrote the article from like this hipster coffee shop in like Oakland. And he was like, I wanted to visit Oakland and I wanted to get like an authentic experience and like stay in (laughs) someone's really their home. So I booked an Airbnb, but I was so disappointed because it was like a corporate Airbnb. And then I went to the hipster coffee house and wrote this article about how bad it is to rent an Airbnb, even though that's what I just did and how bad it is to patronize these hipster coffee houses that are ruining the neighborhood for all the (laughs) immigrants who live there. And (laughs) it was kind of a stupid article, but one of the comments, um, one of the comments I really liked, I'm trying to find it now. Shit, I, and I can't, but it was basically about how the, the real responsibility falls on the city for creating these policies that, that made the housing shortage in the first place. Yeah, absolutely. Right. I, I mean, and that's, that's the thing is that with any platform, this is true for social media. It's obviously also true for Airbnb and it's true for other things is that at, at some point, kind of the, the professionals move in. Yep. You know, like, like the people the professionals that, have moved in with Airbnb. Yeah, th- right. Exactly. And so, and that's, that's really what's happened here. It stopped being, uh, you know, kind of this cultural phenomenon and it, it just turned into, you know, sort of this, this, the straight up business. It's just like, it's hotel light. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, that's effectively what, what it's become. Um, if you don't like it, really the only solution, I mean, other than, I don't know, you know, doing something about the regular or somehow getting rid of the regulations that are allowing people, you know, to to really like like shore up uh, or or that's making the ability to for for individuals, you know, authentic individuals, I guess you could say, to be able to even purchase homes to where they could give you that authentic experience and all that, you know, because regulation is really what's keeping people from doing from being able to do that themselves. Yes. That's why the professionals can. Um, I mean, the the only alternative is just you're going to have to create an alternative platform. You know, and fortunately, like, I well, think that's know, a real possibility. One of the black guys that wrote an article, like, exposing how what happened when he tried to make a reservation on Airbnb, mm-hmm. and he wasn't expecting it. He just wanted to go visit his friend. He tried to reserve an Airbnb. Oh, sorry, we're busy. Then he had a white friend do it. And they're like, oh, yeah, ex- of course. Come on in. We're available that weekend. Yeah. So he said he's starting his own thing called Inclusive, <laughs> like in like an INN, Inclusive. Yeah. So um, and maybe he just wrote that to promote his own thing. But um, yeah, I mean, sure, do it. Right. Yeah. Well, that's yeah. I mean, never... I don't know if they're going to have a network effect to have a lot of users, but well, I don't know, think, I don't maybe think... over time. Yeah, that's the thing though. Like, if it's about people, say, looking for that authentic experience, you know, and, and all of this, that's always going to be localized. You know, Chinatown's always going to be localized. There's, this is what happens when there's like a monolithic service, when there's only one. You never just want one, you want options. Okay. And, and Airbnb is, I mean, it's open for disruption, you know, from, from this reason alone. And I think it, it's perfectly fine if you want to make something called inclusive, just like honestly, is as ridiculous as I think it is. It's fine for there to be a J date, you know. So what? <laughs> I mean, uh, and people might want to call that racist. I don't know, but whatever. I mean, make the alternative services. I, I think at the end of the day, that's the real action because trying to to fight city hall and, and get rid of those regulations. I mean, you're going to lose out on so much of your life. You know, mm-hmm. as to where actually building something, cheering on the economic and the business process. You know, you. It's it's just it, it can be a headache, but a wonderful experience at the same time. And it can actually get shit done. So, Brian, we got a listener email to wrap up the <laughs> oh show with. Rick writes in. Hi, guys. Hey, Rick. Hey, Rick. 
Hey guys, I enjoy your show. I first heard you on the Conspirathon with Brett on the School Sucks podcast. And yes, we did a marathon show called the Conspirathon. It's not quite finished yet. It's like kind of an open-ended thing. We're going to be doing more episodes soon. So watch for those to come out on the School Sucks feed very soon. Um, But the Conspirathon is basically like a, like a thon, you know, a marathon show where we talked about conspiracy theories. (laughs) Yes. And it was fun and interesting. And some people got mad because we, they thought we were making light of it. But I, I mean, Brian, you've spent a fair bit of time looking into conspiracy theories. Far too much. I, I have not spent that much time, but of course they're interesting to talk about. But like, you have a very rational mind that is very helpful. <laughs> oh, thank you. <laughs> I try. I don't know if I always succeed. But anyway, I first heard you on the Conspirathon with Brett on the School Sucks podcast. I have a conspiracy theory for you. Is a new Hillary being built at the secret base at Dolce? A new Hillary? A new Hillary. Like she's Frankenstein. Is a new Hillary being built at the secret base at Dolce? If what I have read uh, lately is true, it seems that the current Hillary will be dead by Election Day. Therefore, they need a new one. <laughs> they, them, they, those. Cheers, Rick. Yeah. That's a good one, Rick. I haven't heard that one before. Now, I've heard that Hillary Clinton is sick. I've heard Bill Clinton is sick. I've heard, yeah, like all kinds of stuff about that. Yeah. Um, nobody really knows what's wrong with them. They're kind of keeping mum about, or if anything is wrong with them, they're kind of they're keeping very mum about their health. Um, I, ca- I kind of wonder, like, what happens if a presidential candidate dies, like, during the election, during the race? Yeah. Probably the running mate just takes right over. But yeah, just just. That's, yeah, I don't think that's ever happened before. Not that I know of in U.S. history. Yeah, it probably has. We just don't know about it. <laughs> yeah, I mean, I wouldn't. I'm not wishing death on anybody, but um, I'm not voting for either of the candidates either. So yeah, yeah, no know. voting here. Um, now Dolce, what is Dolce, Brian? We had to actually look this up because we didn't know what it was. Well, so I I heard a little bit about this, but it's Dolce base. This is an alleged base. Okay. It's alleged, yes. Right. It's not proven. Okay. And supposedly, I, I think something like in the seventies, maybe it was uh, created. This is like, this is like area 51. Okay. It's in New Mexico. It's right, you know, the border of New Mexico and Colorado. Um, I mean, there's, there are bases in Colorado where, you know, real ones, unlike Dolce, where people think shit's going on. I've been to them, Cheyenne Mountain and some others. Uh, or, well, Cheyenne Mountain's a big one, but anyway. Um, but Dolce is in that area. There were there are a lot of uh, Cold War missile. Uh, this is like Colorado, New Mexico area. Yeah, right at the border. Okay, is, is where this would be. So, but there, there's a lot of uh, um, you know, a lot of missile implementations. You know, kind of underground missile silos and all that stuff from during the Cold War. You know, back yes. when you know that's, if Russia that's does anything, real... we'll launch. So that gives some credence to this idea that there is this Dolce base that, there that could was be a secret base that yeah. was built as a joint base between aliens. And the U.S. government. Okay, now that's where it gets a little bit uh, strange, yeah, right? Yeah, <laughs> right. So, and I guess the claim would be, and I'm sure Rick was being tongue-in-cheek, but... So wait, uh, which aliens are they? Are they Area 51 aliens? Well, or? nobody knows. I mean, well... Okay, or what's at least the allegation? Like, it's just in joint alien... Just alien. I, I don't think anybody, like, I mean, because there's a million answers to that. Like, there's the aliens from Alpha Draconis, right? That that's, those are the, the lizard Jews. Ones. Okay, okay. Uh, yeah. <laughs> also known as, you know, the I th- Wait, I thought they were on the moon. 
I thought the moon was a hologram for their base. Well, you see, that's the thing. You got a lot of different, um, you know, I mean, if you're David Icke, yes, that is that is the situation. Uh, right. That comes from David Icke. Yes. But yeah. there's someone else who says we, they're. Well, there's uh, other people who say they're from Alpha. I mean, you know, the sky is the limit as far as the answers yeah. uh, go on that. Um, so the, the claim would be is that there is, you know, a clone being made of Hillary and she will be, you know, effectively, a, you know, kind of a Manchurian candidate. Uh, and, mm. and will be used as a puppet by the system. I mean, <laughs> it's it, obviously now, it's not true, but <laughs> well, now, now how far off is it though? I mean, are you dismissing this? So, because now when he said, is a new Hillary being built? I was thinking like, okay, is, is she like Frankenstein or something? Are they like literally piecing together parts? They're going to take her face and put it on this new person or something. But there is another conspiracy theory that Paul McCartney, like wasn't really Paul McCartney right from the oh, no. Beatles. No. Okay. So yeah, the theory is, is that like in the sixties, Paul McCartney died and they actually got another guy, Brian something, I think to replace who, him, to replace him. Paul they did plastic surgery to make him look like Paul McCartney. And like in many ways, maybe that's what really happened to the Beatles uh, <laughs> is that Paul McCartney was gone. You know, some of the magic just wasn't there. Mm -hmm. uh, even though this Paul McCartney has gone on to make, you know, album after album did wings and all that, you know, um, so now, you know, it's hard to believe that that could happen in the 1960s, but nowadays in 2016, I wouldn't put it past like really good plastic surgery techniques or even face transplants. There have been face transplants. There's, well, there's some claims uh, for what's her name? Uh, uh, he was a skater boy or, or Avril Lavigne. Avril Lavigne. But that, that, that since 2003. <laughs> that skater boy. I yeah. 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 Since 2003, Avril Lavigne. That's not Avril Lavigne. Like that, there, there's there's a huge theory they, around that. Why would they need to replace her? Did because she the record company had too much invested in Illuminati. Did no, she die or what happened? No, she to her? she'd like got in the car accident or something. Oh, she got disfigured. Yeah, oh. or well, no, that like she died. Oh, she died. She died. She's dead. She's gone. Oh, and the but the record co company had a contract, and the show must go on. So they well, it's not just a contract, but yeah, I mean, you know, they have a star in their hands. Why would you want to lose out on that? Because it's so hard, you know, to have because Avril Lavigne at the time had kind of an authentic sort of look to her, you know, and sort of thing to her. Um, so they, they wanted to hold on to that. So, I mean, you know, the, these theories abound that various people have died and have been replaced by the, the system, by they, them, those, yeah. uh, you know, to carry on. Um, and yeah, I mean, obviously there's a lot riding on Hillary Clinton, you know, I mean, it doesn't have to be some clone out of, out of, uh, you know, Dulce base, uh, to where, well, hmm. You know, yeah, it's it doesn't seem like it could be out of this world. If someone is really important and the stakes are very high, you know, there's a lot of people surrounding them that have it a lot invested in them continuing to live and do whatever it is they want them to do. Yeah, you know, it, it's it seems like it could be feasible, and there's the motive is there to make it happen. Yeah. So now I don't know about Hillary Clinton's health, but um, I wouldn't put it outside the realm of possibility. Now at the base at Dolce, I'm not sure exactly if that's where it's taking place. It could be taking place in any plastic surgery hospital, but then it would be hard to cover up. Well, <laughs> and I'll say this, at Dulce, if there is a Dulce, there are no aliens. You've just heard Sex and Science Hour. Game over. Don't worry. Play again next week. Up on the <laughs> we'll be right back.
Why do we pretend every week like our show is ending an hour in when there's really an after show that's coming on just a minute later? If you can be patient through the music, which is actually really good music anyway, so why would you not want to? I know. Right? So we are back. It's the after show. What were you going to say, Brian? I was going to say, should we rename the show in season three? Because it's really not an hour. Well, that's why it's the after show, because it's after the yeah. hour. Yeah, you're right. se- the main show is an hour. It's Sex and Science Hour. You're right. You're right. I think an hour is a good length for a show. Because, right. you know, you don't want to overwhelm people and give them too much content to listen to. But you want to give them, like, some meat. But you if know? they you want to give them, like a, like, a good thing to listen to. Yeah, if you want it, you got to throw them the bone. That's right. <laughs> so, so we are back on the after show. If you have to go, that's a bummer, but, you know, we understand. Our our website's sexandsciencehour.com. You can subscribe to our podcast. Um, for you listening, what was that guy from AlphaGoog? Oh, uh, Astro Teller. Yes, Astro Teller. Get, go subscribe to our podcast. You can listen on iTunes, RSS. He... Or just go by our SoundCloud, you know, go to our website, sexandsciencehour.com. Larry Page, I know you're listening. You want to subscribe too, don't you? You don't want to miss a show. Sexandsciencehour.com. Yeah. Uh, you know, I will say quickly, Astro Teller, like he is, if you ever hear him talk about love, it's amazing. He's been on other like big name podcasts to talk about it, obviously, because he's the head of Google X. So, mm-hmm. you know, he's kind of a name. Um, but I mean, you know, he's all about polyamory and all these different things. I mean, oh my God. Oh yeah. That like- reminds me of something. Can I tell the story? Sure. <laughs> so if you're listening to this podcast in the future, 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 it will become obvious who I'm talking about because you'll be able to look up the audiobook. But I'm just going to say right now, I am doing an audiobook. I'm an audiobook narrator. I'm a voice actor. SMVoice.info is my website. I am making an audiobook right now for an author. And the author is a, a famous person in the personal development field. He's been blogging for a while, and I had heard of him before. That's why I auditioned for his book, and I like the topic of the book. It's a nonfiction book, and um, I'm finding it really interesting for, so far. I'm really digging the book. But about halfway, th- I get about halfway into the book, and he starts talking about how he's polyamorous. This is the author of the book. Okay. He starts talking about how he's polyamorous. Oh. I'm like, okay, right on. I know what you're talking I about. I go to his website, and he has like a little application form for if you're a woman and you want to meet up with him in person and cuddle with him. <laughs> Can you believe that? I've never seen that before. And now if you're anybody, he'll meet anybody for coffee. It doesn't matter who you are, which I think is really cool of him. I mean, like, shit, how many celebrities do that? Um, yeah. <laughs> even though he's only like internet famous, I suppose, but, um, a I, woman I think could never get away with that. Like, yeah, that's probably true. I yeah. mean, that's, that's probably true, but he'll, he, you know, he'll meet you at a public coffee shop and he has like an FAQ of like what to expect. But if you're a woman, you can apply to cuddle with him i i feel like that's so pretentious like and i'm not saying the person's a bad guy or whatever i'm just saying that like i could see where some people would think oh well you see this is all very open and i'm giving you instructions and all stuff and like that just says so no chance of love whatsoever like i have so many red flags that go off in my brain for that you know like it just feels so systematized and it's just like we're not computers well you know i I have a theory. I, a lot of people talk about creating streams of passive income, mm-hmm. passive income streams. I think he's trying to create a passive sex stream. Then say it, you know, <laughs> I, I, you might be right. I'm just saying, say it, be fucking open about it. Be open about that. 
You know, I mean, instead of your pants. Well, maybe he was. I don't know. I haven't read his whole blog, but yeah, well, it's just as well. <laughs> I, I, you know, I hear this language. I mean, even we don't do that. We don't put a cuddle application on our website. No, but I, I hear this language around polyamory, including in New Hampshire, and it drives me up the wall. What language? Just like this kind of like, like this whole like order, like, you know, we're closing our circle now, you know, or like, I mean, all these, like all these little different things, like it's all, or like I hear about people that have calendars for their dates. Well, all right, I'm going to be with this person. On oh, this not one. just for their dates, for when their partners are ovulating. Right. And I'm just like, <laughs> what the fuck is that? Like, I guess I, you got to manage it somehow, right? I mean, people can do it however they want to go about it. I'm not saying you can't. I'm not necessarily saying you're doing anything wrong. I am saying in my personal taste, in my opinion. Okay, I mean, love is about spontaneity. Life is about spontaneity. I mean, don't people talk about this all the time? The wonderful spontaneous order, right? Well, then let it be fucking spontaneous. Stop all this, you know, like systematizing everything, man. And I believe me, I've had I've had those relationships. I've had the I've I've gone out with multiple women at the same time. I never I never put them down in a calendar book. You know, I mean, that sounds so much. I think if I yeah, I'm, I mean for. Personally, for me, I think if I got to the point where I needed a calendar to manage things about my relationships like that, that I would take that as a sign that I was dating too many people. Yeah. But, oh. And I also can't imagine telling- I mean, non-polyamorous people do that, too. Like, there was all these articles, like, maybe about seven or eight years ago, there were all these articles of, like, women who, like, cat who made like excel spreadsheets on their husband search and they were trying to find like a, a husband and they went out with like a hundred guys and they made a spreadsheet about each one of them their picture oh. and like where they went and everything and oh. everyone was like oh isn't that cute but yeah. yeah and and by the way brian you know you sound like you're pissed off about this but you are not talking about that author that i was talking about you're talking about at least three or four separate people that we've just met in our, oh, li- yeah, in our travels and stuff like tons that and it's more of a general criticism it's not directed at anybody one person in particular or anything like that no i just felt compelled to say that okay I, I know but it's just so ironic that you know polyamory is supposed to be about you know love being open and not being limited and all that mm-hmm. and then what are you doing you're putting fucking limitations on every aspect of it. The time, the circle, you know, I, I mean, yes, that's fine. It's nice to know what's going on. Like, I can't picture saying, well, we're, we're closing our circle, you know, and, and I don't know. People can do it how they want it. That's fine. Well, they're just, dictating to, uh, to your other partners, we're closing our circle well, would be even, one thing. But here, if we're, if you said, I want to close our circle, what do you think about that? Here's a little more. That might be different. Here's right? a little more. Like the, the way people even talk about polyamorous partners, like, like, well, there's some people that are gold and there's some people that are water, you know, or like, or, you know, like there's these different like classes you give people like that is so insulting, you know, like, I mean, there's no reason to like rank me and compare me to various resources. Oh man! Sometimes, like the the way, yeah, I don't dig the system systemizing of it all. I I just or the commodification or the or the commodifying. Yeah, yeah. I I just don't. That's my that's my preference. You do it how you want to do it. Yeah. Okay. And 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 I I really don't necessarily mean any offense. I agree. I don't like to compare people to like commod like to gold or water or inanimate objects or animals or anything like that. Right. Except if I was going to say like Brian is lion hearted. You're like a 
Yeah, I mean, that can be a cute question. Like when you think of what, you know, when you what think of this person, what animal do you think of? You know, and I, I know people have asked you that about me and like yes. say, oh, I think of a lion, you know, and, and that's very kind. That's what but, I think of. Yeah. But like the that's, lion. that's very different. Like that's not saying, holy shit, you know, that's what this person, well, anyway. But, all right. That's not saying I value you as much as I would an animal. Yeah. <laughs> or a piece of gold or something. Yeah, exactly. Or that somehow I glass just act of water. on instinct or who's something. The, how shitty do you feel if you're the partner who's the glass? of water and the other one's the gold is sitting next to you it's like oh yeah you know you're you're more like a silver in my relationship uh, uh pyramid yeah that's, oh, that, that's i don't great. think that would make me feel good yeah I don't know. holy shit <laughs> anyway wow Let's move on. <laughs> well, that really de- de- digressed that, that divulged, devolved devolved yes that's the word i was looking for thanks yeah. brian um so a little bit of business the after show is usually the time we talk about our our lovely devoted listeners and wh- how they went shopping on stuff.sexandsciencehour.com, mm-hmm. which is our link that goes to our Amazon affiliate link. And if you buy stuff on Amazon that you heard about on the show or that, you know, what in whatever way you were inspired to buy through our show or just your normal shopping, um, we will get affiliate credit for it. And that helps us support doing our show. And, um, I'm happy with how it's going. We've, it's getting pretty active. You know, it took a, it, I realized it was going to take a while, but we're almost here at the end of season two. We just started doing this in season two. And now we have a decent amount of people who th- shop through our link. Now there's more people who want to shop through other international Amazons. I am going to set that up probably in the season break between two and three, cause I haven't had a chance to do it yet. Right. Had a lot going on this summer and not in a good way, but anyway, um, that will be coming, but, Sometimes we get questions about like, hey, I shopped through your link and you guys didn't read my stuff on the after show. Where was it? Did you get credit for it? Well, we try to read everything we get um, that shows up in our list that we got credit for on the after show. So if you don't hear your item read, then it's it's totally OK to ask us about it. Hey, what happened to this? I bought yeah. this thing. Did it not show up? Um we got an email from a gentleman this week who said he was buying stuff on Amazon and he hadn't heard us read it off. And he was just wondering what happened with it. And um, unfortunately, we did not get that stuff. And we think it was because he said he w- would go to the link through stuff.sexandsciencehour.com and he would add stuff to his cart, but he wouldn't buy it until like sometimes a couple days later. Yeah. Um, and he would do a shopping over a couple of days, which is fine. I do that too. But, um, I think it's actually a 24 hour cookie. So you have to do the checkout within 20, you have to click the link, click through from our website, stuff.saxonsciencehour.com. That'll take you to the homepage of Amazon and you have to go put the stuff in your cart and go through checkout within 24 hours or it won't show up for us. Yeah. I was shocked. I didn't think it would work this way. That's because, my understanding of yeah, it. Yeah. Cause I thought it was this, just a link that it worked off of. Um, yeah, I thought so too. I thought if you click through that link, no matter what, we would get credit for it. But I guess it doesn't work that way. Yeah, I, I mean, it is definitely tough unless you're buying it right then. It is very tough to guarantee, you know, 24 hour cookie or not. It is mm-hmm. tough to guarantee that you are using the link. Um, I've found like there's times where I have a hard time switching between Amazon Smile and just regular Amazon. I like, know. Where it doesn't always stick, even though I'm always you- signed into Amazon Smile. I really wish it gave you instant feedback. Like if it said, okay, your order is complete. And by mm-hmm. the way, Sex and Science Hour got a little spiff from it. Yeah, so with, with Smile it tells know, you. But then they have to ask us and wait like a couple weeks for us to get back to them. And it's like, it's frustrating. But 
you know, on the whole, this is working out pretty well for us. So thank you to everybody who's trying, who has tried. Most of it we do end up getting credit for, and we really appreciate it. And if you want to just send us a donation directly, if that's easy easier for you, we do have a PayPal link and a Bitcoin um, QR code and address on our website, which is sexandsciencehour.com. We certainly appreciate all your donations. But, you know, if, by shopping through the... um Amazon affiliate link, you can be on our after show. You can actually have your purchases on there and have us judge you and talk about it. Yeah. <laughs> so who doesn't want that, right? Stuff.sexandsciencehour.com. That's right. Okay. So let's see what was purchased this week. Oh, Woo. I can barely wait. The suspense is killing me. I have not looked at this um, in advance. So it's going to be a total surprise about what people got. All right. So um, in the beauty, we have a couple of things in the beauty department. We have Avalon Organics Coenzyme Q10 Facial Cleansing Milk. Now, wow, putting milk on your—I mean—that brings up quite a visual, doesn't it? Love, <laughs> <laughs> Jesus, facial cleansing milk, and it, I mean, it's got some uh, cherries or holly berries on the front, and it's like a nice red color. It's not like a white thing, but uh, oh, just rose for the record. The Egyptians did use um, the thing you were referencing. The milk of man yeah, uh, for facial yes, cleansing. absolutely. <laughs> for facial, just stop right there. <laughs> yeah, yes. <laughs> but that's by Avalon Organics. That looks pretty cool. Um, they, another person, or maybe the same person, also got uh, a couple of other products. We have, we have Accure Seriously Firming Facial Serum, one ounce. Um, a lot of facials. Accure, yes. Yes. You need a serious firming facial serum if you're going to be serious about your face. And then we have facial brush replacement heads for a sensitive face. I wonder um, if all this could combat that uh, what we were talking about earlier in the show. What? Uh, where like you can like be taught to either find a face uglier or more attractive over time. Like I wonder if these cleansers could actually like you know work against that effect. I don't know. Damn. Maybe they'll put some soap on your brain, <laughs> <laughs> clean it out. <laughs> uh, anyway, these are basically brushes that you can use to rub your face and make it like exfoliated and soft. I should get this. I'm gonna keep this tab open for later because I kind of. I kind of think I want that. I've I've talked about this on the show before. I've been um, brushing my skin. I've been doing using skin brushing. Yeah. Which it works great. It feels really good. It feels like a basically a massage. It supposedly gets the lymph flowing in your body. You brush your legs up towards your heart. You brush your arms towards your heart. You brush your back or whatever parts of your body you want. But it doesn't really work on the face because the bristles are pretty rough and hard. And, oh, and I mean, you've got a soft face. And I've got a really soft, sensitive face. Very I'm very soft, soft so yeah. I can't use that on my face, no. but I can use it on my legs and arms, and it feels really good. So anyway, um, nobody wants to hear about that, but there are <laughs> lots of body brushes available on Amazon if you're interested in trying some body brushing. Uh, in the books, we've got Public Health Nursing, Population-Centered Healthcare in the Community, episode uh, ninth edition. Um, and that was, uh, that was a pretty expensive book. So I'm guessing it's a textbook. That was like a fit at a $56 price point. So wow. I'm guessing it was somebody who's, who's maybe going to school for public health. Um, that sounds interesting. And then we got a book by David Graeber, which is fragments of an anarchist anthropology. Oh boy. Yeah. That now, sounds interesting. He's a very interesting author. Uh, he wrote uh, debt. The first 5,000 years, um, he has some very interesting things to say. Uh, very interesting book to pick up. Yeah. Linking Anthropology and Anarchism. 
Yeah, right on. That's pretty cool. I wonder if he talks about the cultures in Zomia, which is like this I believe... region of Polynesian islands that where they just kind of canoe around and like no 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 gods, no masters, no rulers. They just yeah. do what they want. Yeah. Zomia. I believe he does go into that, that a lot of people that ran to the hills, ran to the hills, you know, they ran away from civilization because they didn't want to be slaves. Yeah. Head for the hills. Yeah. <laughs> All right. In the... um. Let's see what we have next. Oh, yeah. In the clothing and accessories, we've got a MacGyver t-shirt. This is the MacGyver t-shirt, MacGyver School of Engineering t-shirt. It says Improvise or Die 1985. It's like a, it's like a college school crest. That is so awesome. <laughs> it's, it's MacGyver. I am and it has such, like a paper clip and a roll of duct tape on it. That's so cute. I am such a huge MacGyver fan. Like Even it. the TV movies they made later on, uh, like the Atlantis one and all that all great even idw did comic books recently uh-huh. i fucking love richard dean anderson is the man so good uh we've got a voice remote for amazon echo and echo dot which is the new generation so it looks like kind of like an ipad controller and then it has a little speak mu- microphone button it looks like a wii mote it everybody, looks like a wii mote yeah yeah everybody right. everybody's copying nintendo so, today. Do you, so do you just talk into it and then it does stuff with your echo and you can it's like a remote for your echo yeah it probably lets you access alexa so you don't have to that. like shout across the room hey amazon yeah. order me some shit over here <laughs> you yep, can speak into your remote does. you don't have to do that yeah. Uh, in the supplement, the dietary supplements category, we got Jero Formula Neuro Optimizer. So, um, Jero is a, I think is a pretty good brand. I take a Jero supplement, which is, um, Femdophilus, which is like these probiotic vaginal bacteria. Okay. <laughs> Lactobacteria. Femdophilus. For pe- people who don't eat yogurt, you know, you have to have the healthy vaginal flora. So you take probiotics. That's what I do. Um, but anyway, Jero makes a neuro optimizer, which has um, gl- a bunch of amino acids, L- acetyl L carnitine, glutamine taurine, and uh, phosphatidylcholine, phosphatidylserine, alpha lipoic acid. So it's basically like, you know, supplements that support your brain. The, the acetyl L carnitine and alpha lipoic acid, those are like um, to support the mitochondria and the taurine as well, support um, import of, of fatty acids into the mitochondria. Um, and your brain has a lot of mitochondria and the glutamine. I'm not sure what that does. Uh, phosphatidylcholine and phosphatidylserine are phospholipids that form the cell membranes of neurons in the brain. So, and they need that because, um, the, this, a lot of your brain is myelinated and, um, phosphatidylcholine and serine are in the myelin, which is like insulation for the nerves. It's like, yeah. it's like wrapping a wire so it conducts better. So, um, this is a neuro optimizer. I wonder if someone's into like nootropics because, you know, that sounds like it could be like a nootropic, which is a yeah, drug that's supposed to make your brain function better. Um, supposed to be like I NZT. like caffeine personally. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. NZT in that movie. Well, Limitless was that yeah, movie. Yeah. Great movie. Still, I still have to watch that. Um, and Terrible then, TV show. Great movie. Go ahead. This, another person got Now Foods, which is another brand that I really like. I use their Stevia organic, um, stevia extract every day in my tea now foods uh has this taro still bean and resveratrol um capsules and supposedly this this is like a free radical scavenger and anti-aging molecules now resveratrol is the stuff that's in red wine that many years ago uh actually about 10 years ago there was this big hubbub over resveratrol because um a researcher discovered that it was like this 
kind of this miracle, miraculous compound where it would slow aging and it would also like kind of cure diabetes. Mm -hmm. But then later it came out that like a lot of labs tried to repeat his results and he couldn't, and they couldn't like replicate the data that he got that was so fantastic. And meanwhile, this guy had started a pharmaceutical company and got all his funding and his billion, millions of dollars. Yeah. And it, it may turn, have turned out to not be true. Wow. I, I haven't followed the resveratrol story lately. Some people obviously still take it as a supplement, but I don't know if it's, I don't know if it's borne out. I'm not sure. Um, I know it's hard to get from food. Like you can get it from grapes a little bit and you can get it from like raisins and peanuts, I guess. It's in like the skin of peanuts and raisins, obviously, because they're grapes and wine. But of course you get it with everything else that comes in a grape or a peanut. So you may not want to be eating that. So I don't know. Maybe the jury's still out on resveratrol. Um, in the kitchen and housewares department, we got a companion to the Postosaurus. Last week, we talked about the Postosaurus. And then what the Postosaurus was, it was like one of the cutest things I've ever seen. It's one of those spaghetti spoons mm -hmm. that has like the teeth and the hole in the middle, but it was shaped, it was like with a face of a dinosaur on it. So it was called the Postosaurus. Yeah, yeah. Well, this week, somebody bought a dinosaur cheese spreader set. Now, I, this is adorable. If I, if I ate cheese... I would eat, I would have these dino spreaders in a heartbeat. I would purchase these. <laughs> they are so cute. They're little cheese spreaders, which is like kind of like a blunt butter knife type thing. But on the, instead of a handle, they're dinosaurs. So they've got like a triceratops. They've got like a ankylosaurus. They've got a, um, I don't know what kind that is, but <laughs> maybe a, maybe a T-Rex, maybe one of them, but I'm not sure. I mean, they're all kind of the same size, so it's a little hard to tell, but they're definitely dinosaurs. Dino cheese spreader set. I'm pretty sure they didn't have cheese back in the Paleolithic, but you know. No, they could have actually. Oh, there, there is natural, cave cheese. Well, not just cave cheese. There's naturally occurring cheese uh, that happens in carcasses. Really? Yes. In France. In uh, carcasses? Yeah. It's a delicacy in France. Oh my God. Like an animal, like in cows, yeah. like a pregnant cow. Like, guy. well, oh. yeah, whichever animal. Um, oh. But yeah, cheese wow. can actually occur naturally. That's fascinating. Ki kind of naturally. Yeah, kind <laughs> of. I guess you'd have to have the animal first. It has to be dead. Yeah. And then they got the, <laughs> I have a feeling this might be the same person who likes to play with their food, which I like too, by the way. Um, <laughs> they've got the animal house shark pairing knife. It's a pairing knife that looks like a shark and it has a little face on it <laughs> his little shark face that's great that is so freaking cute i love it i just think that's adorable in the sports and outdoors department we've got a couple of items i'm going to try not to double up on what we did last week but one of them is the hyperkin genesis gn6 usb controller so it's nice. like a gaming controller we also had Oh, God, please load. Oh, yeah, pepper spray. This is cool because I know you've recommended this in the past. Saber 3-in-1 pepper spray, advanced police strength. It comes with a clip, and it's only $6.99. So for $6.99, you can protect yourself with pepper spray. It's got a 1,000 customer reviews, so obviously that's that's uh, popular. Non-lethal, that's a win. Exactly. Yeah, and we did have some gun stuff, too, but we talked about that last week. So I wonder if it was the same person. And then finally, Bestique. Yoga Pilates non-slip fingerless socks and gloves. Kind of like the yoga socks we talked about last week. So that's going to do it for us for this week. This has been Sex and Science Hour, sexandsciencehour.com. We'll be back at you next Friday. Hope you enjoy the show. Ooh. Tell a friend, tell two friends, and 
Have a great week. <laughs>